0: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
1: WeTransfer is all about making the creative process easier for everyone. They built their site to be the simplest way to share big files from A to B for free. There's no sign-in, no offer codes, no password to forget. Just upload, send, and get back to making whatever it is you make. WeTransfer.com. I love this service. You should use it. Trust me on this one. Okay? Now, on with the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome to 100 Words or Lost, the podcast. Hanging out with me, Ray Harkins, your host, discussing independent music in a wide variety of people who make up this awesome music scene that uh, we call home, right? You call this home, yeah? Well, I I hope you're having a a good day because I'm having a good day. And so did this person when we spoke that day, Brianna Hunt. She is the proprietor Main vocalist, songwriter, <laughs> she's everything uh, uh, for a project called Many Rooms, who are actually label mates of the band that I play in called Taken, and um, I love, I love what she does. I saw her. You'll actually hear this at the top of the interview where I spoke about seeing her at Chain Reaction, and I just, I, I, I liked the EP that she put out previously, but like once I saw her, it all kind of came together in my head and uh it was it was awesome and i i could not recommend all of her recorded output enough like if you're fans of you know julian baker daughter all of that sort of really introspective you know female fronted stuff that is, you you need to lap this up with a spoon you need to shower yourself with it i mean you know figuratively speaking not literally because that would be uh that you'd probably hurt yourself especially if it was vinyl So uh, what else do I got? Well, I got to tell you about Rockabilia.com. I know you're probably like, yo, Ray, we get it. Rockabilia. Yeah, I understand you're excited about it. But no, I don't think you do. Until you go to the website and until you consume all of their offerings, you are not understanding it. Understanding it? (laughs) Understanding it. They offer half a million items. They're all officially licensed. Bands get paid. It is the coolest place in the world to get band merch. They ship it out to you super quickly their customer service is top-notch i cannot thank them enough for the support of this show and what you right there i'm pointing at you you need to get 15 percent off by using the code pc jabber jaw 15 off your order like that i'm just giving you free money essentially okay so outfit yourself from head to toe with Rockabilia stuff from all your favorite bands and th- that way you'll just you'll you'll be in the know you'll uh, amass a collection of band shirts that uh, is kind of like mine because I've got way too many band shirts, but actually there's no such thing as too many band shirts, right? Okay. So rockabilia, And, uh, what else do I got for you? Uh, this, we're, we're nearing the end of the focal point of awesome women in music month that this entire may has shown us. And, uh, yeah, I'm just, I'm, I'm excited. It's always nice to have these themed months come together and people still, are, uh, you know, excited about those like themed months. And when I'm kind of presenting newer ideas like that, so, well, not newer ideas of themed months, but you, you get what I'm saying. Um, I, uh, I've, I thank you for asking. I'm doing well myself. Uh, just kind of wrapping up the school year for my son and my wife and it gets a little hectic and chaotic and often I don't even like look at shows that are happening in my area until like the week of, and I'm like, oh, that's right, that's right, Converge is coming through with Neurosis, that's right, this thing is happening. So, um, yeah, I haven't been feeling a, a strong connectivity to uh, you know going out to shows, but uh, you know it's it's always there. I'm I'm always paying attention. I'm always making sure that I'm able to dive in when I, I feel like I'm I'm too far removed from it. But um, yeah, that's what we got. And I just want to bring you this conversation I had with Brianna. It's so good. We actually, full disclosure, this is our second conversation because I re- was, recorded a great, great chat with her in person at my house. And uh, like, I don't know when exactly it was, but basically my microphone cord broke during that interview. And so all you could hear is her responses and me off in the distance. And I, I tried. I worked with a great friend of mine, Jesse Lynch, to try to make this thing come to a listenable quality and it did not so fortunately brianna was sweet enough to hop on the phone and uh kind of recreate magic and and i think we did it okay so there we go just not like you needed to know all that but uh, you know just wanted to because i I think i do mention in this conversation that uh, we had discussed something like this previously so that's why we mentioned that so anyways there is all there's all that is all and you should just listen to this okay all right Talk to you at the end of the show. you know, like being, being label mates together, I got keyed into you, uh, you know, via your, uh, your, your bros forever, Tom and Jesse. And, uh, then, mm-hmm. and I went, I saw you play, like I had listened to the EP and I thought it was cool, but then it wasn't until when I saw you play at chain with uh, Tradewind trade wind and everything where it kind of like, it all kind of came together for me where I was like, Oh, okay. Because I think, you know, th- especially in the day and age of, you hear a person is a, you know, singer songwriter, whatever that may be And you're kind of like, Oh, I, don't know, I think I already know that person's story. <laughs> and then watching, uh-huh. watching you get up there, it was like, Oh yeah. Like you're kind of, you know, you, you, you come from, um, you know, the same DIY principles that, you know, punk and hardcore kind of comes from. Um, uh-huh. do you, do you find that, uh, you know, people kind of, I wouldn't say mischaracterize you, but are kind of like, Oh, I, I, I already know what what many rooms is about, just because like, oh, female fronted singer songwriter. Like, I already, already kind of know what she's got going on.
2: Um, um, I honestly don't know. I don't hear people often telling me what they what they initially like uh, expected from me. Um, I can speculate that I, you know, I'm a girl and I go up there and I play guitar, and I think a lot of the times the one thing that I do get is I get lumped up with people like Julian Baker and, um, or compared to other female, uh, artists just because we are female and we're playing music. And that's literally the only comparison. Um, which, you know, that's not honestly, I, you know, it's, um, an honor or, you know, a privilege to be compared to someone like Julian Baker, who's extremely talented. Um, but, we are obviously, if you listen to both of us, are very different musicians and different kinds of music. Um, So I try, I guess I uh, try to differ from that or to, you know, expand people's minds on girls can make different kinds of music and you don't have to lump them all together and they can be different. Um, Yeah, and I also also think that um, maybe... I don't know. The, the only other expectation I think people have is that I'm going to be a sad person whenever I talk to them, um, after playing my, my songs and, or I'm going to be like super, what's that word? Uh, just like melancholy, like reserved and shy and emo, but like I'm a pretty outgoing person outside of the songs that I write, I think, cause that's my release. But yeah, other than that, I can't, I I wouldn't really be able to say if like I knew what people thought of me. I had no idea that you were. Yeah, <laughs> I didn't know that you were there. First of all, at that show. Yeah. Um. The one that chain reaction, right?
1: Yeah, chain. Yeah. Yeah, I
2: had no idea, but I yeah. think that's cool. I like. I think that I would always want my live performance to be even better than the than the recorded music, and so it's encouraging to hear that it was even cooler live than it was hearing it.
1: Yeah, no, definitely. Because I I think it is, there's always, that you run that risk when you are, you know, a a solo artist and you are performing under a moniker that is not your own. And, you know, people will bring baggage to that, you know, because people will be like, you know, there's just so much history with that of being like either really, really good or like, you know, just performative. You know, it's like, you know, people Mm -hmm. putting on a character or something like that, you know? Um, And I think there's, so much baggage with that. So, you know, there's, I think people that do what you do kind of have to shed a lot of preconceived notions more so than, you know, like a, whatever, a punk or a hardcore band where people, you know, they will come with notions, but not to the same degree of like, oh wow, you know, yeah, here's, here's another person that's trying to rip off dashboard confessional or whatever, you know?
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, 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 for sure. And, um, like we talked about having roots in, hardcore, um, and DIY taught me just, I thought that it was the norm to, you know, be up there and perform in that way where you go and you talk about things that are important to you. Um, I never knew any different and, you know, cause I go to these shows and I see these angry dudes or frustrated dudes talking about things that they care about and that are important to them. Um, and I always loved that. I always thought that was so important about, I mean, I think that's the the glue that holds hardcore and and, and heavy music together is caring, you know, and wanting to see change. And I've always admired that. And I always, and so I think that that really, really influenced my performance and my music, even though my music sounds nothing like hardcore. It's Um, definitely where I came from and definitely influences
1: me. Yeah. Oh, no, for sure. I mean, I, I think that's that's kind of even though you stylistically may not have anything to do with that scene in particular, it's like you can't help but view the world through that prism. Even if you don't make music that sounds like that, it's like, yeah, that, you know, basement DIY mentality exists across all different genres of music and it's a different story if you were viewing it from the prison of like Oh man! I want to be like you know the next beyonce like you know cause clearly those yeah. are those are two different targets you know mm-hmm. <laughs> but it, it, you know from you know getting to know you on our our, our last conversation um you know you, you the the musical journey that you've kind of you know had has always seemed to be um uh, i'm sure goal oriented to a certain extent. But you've never, um, you've never struck me as a person that has like, these, um, I guess, grandiose ambitions of like, I want to be this, um, you know, this, and I don't, I don't want to use the word rock star, but that's the first thing that comes to my mind, um, <laughs> you know, but like, you know, there, but, there are, but there are goals, there are things you want to accomplish, um, you know, how, how is that kind of ping ponged around in your head as you, um, you know, navigate the, the weird world of, you know, putting yourself out there?
2: Are you asking like what my goals are, you know, as yeah. a musician or as an artist? Uh,
1: yeah, essentially. They're just like, you know, you, you have ambitions, but you know, they're not ambitions to, you know, be the next, you know, whatever, yeah, like I said, Taylor Swift or something <laughs> like that.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah. Um I think since the beginning, I mean, since I was playing shows in Carlsbad New Mexico as a fifteen year old, my Goal has always been to make something honest um, and to talk about things that are important to me and kind of address things that people normally don't want to talk about or are afraid to talk about themselves. Um, Being transparent about hurt and about suffering and depression and mental illness or um confusions or doubts i've always wanted to be able to say like you know this this is not something that you alone think about or you alone go through i think a lot of people do and it's important to share in that and to admit it because um you know there's a lot of fear that drives people away from each other because they don't they're not willing to be transparent and i wanted to i didn't know i mean other than playing music, whenever I was younger, I didn't know how to communicate that with people. It was really hard. And I felt like music was the best avenue to communicate something like that. And it worked. And the more that I saw it worked, the more driven I was to do it that way. Um, and so I try to, I get, I get, um distracted and kind of veered off sometimes, you know, sometimes I get caught up in things that don't matter, like, if I'm going to make enough money, you know, on this tour, or if this tour I'm going on, uh, is cool enough. Or like, you know, if I'm, if I'm progressing in the right way or if I'm impressing the right people and I always have to go back and remind myself why I initially started loving music, because if I focus on those things, I end up not loving it anymore and I'll end up, you know, feeling kind of numb towards everything and towards, towards my own art and my own career. Um, So I try to remind myself and to stay grateful and humble, um, you know, as to the, the initial goal that I had whenever I was a kid, staying the same goal that I have, no matter what happens to me. um, Because I think that that's the most important aspect of art is to express, um, this shared experience that a lot of people can relate to and to remind people that they aren't alone, even though that's, I hate saying, I hate saying like, you're not alone. That's like a a corny statement, but that's, I mean, that's the best way that I can put it is that I hear a lot of, if someone hears a song that spoke to them or meant something to them, they say, I didn't know that other people went through this. And it's always amazing because a lot of people do. And, um, yeah, that's, that's always been, I guess my, my MO is I want to make people feel comforted. Um, the way that other bands and their songs had made me feel comforted. Um, especially like with, Uh, I think the first time I heard a band do, or a a band that did that to me was As Cities Burn. I heard the song The Widow. Or no, 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 I heard the song Contact. And it was about um, Cody Bennett's doubts in God. And I had never heard anybody singing in a song about them not knowing if they believed in God or not, like who were a Christian band and who Christians loved. You know, it was kind of a little wild to do something like that. And I thought it was so almost rebellious and so risky and awesome. And it was something that I was like, I want to be able to do that for people. I want to make people feel uncomfortable, but in a good way, you know?
1: Yeah, no, for sure. It it definitely, because, you know, I think while, you know, you get older in the context of, you know, this independent music scene, you know, people are supposed to age out at a certain point. And so like, what is cliche to, you know, people in their, you know, late twenties, early thirties, is not cliché to a 15-year-old so i think you you know you because you, yeah. you, you don't know when that piece of art is going to mean something and yes of course there are clichés and there's repetition of message over time but it doesn't mean the fact that it's going to not hit a person who is at that juncture in their life. Love exactly what you're talking about, you know? You don't know how that's going to affect mm-hmm. a person. And it's like to you it may be like, "Oh yeah, I've already heard that before. This is my like 14th band hearing why they don't like God or why they question their faith." But like Yeah. <laughs> but still, the, a 15-year-old
0: isn't going to know that or whatever. Mhm. 100%. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp.
1: And so you, uh, you know, kind of focusing on you yourself. You were um, raised in two separate states, kind of, you know, I mean, Texas and, and uh, New Mexico. You know, the New Mexico experience, kind of, you know, where you started to, you know, play out and be more uh, a part of a, uh, you know, scene as small as it was. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. But you're, um, you know, kind of having these these two separate experiences of of having two you know kind of home bases uh one being because because houston is where you call home now right
2: yes. yes
1: yeah and clearly houston is a you know massive massive town that has you know culture and nightlife and everything else that uh you know the town of new mm-hmm. Me- the town of new mexico did not um do you uh i guess do you look at both having experience in both of those worlds being um I guess, valuable to you or would you rather have just had <laughs> the Houston experience and not have to, you know, rely on the, uh, the, you know, the, the small scene that you kind of came from in that area?
2: No, I definitely appreciate both. Um, because I, whenever, I, especially when I was younger, I was, you know, more impressionable and more, more insecure, um, being drowned out by other people who are doing the same thing has in the past, uh, negatively affected me and made me feel discouraged or made me feel like I couldn't do it. And, um, being, I hate, I don't want to sound like a, I mean, this is just, this is the the truth is whenever I was, you know, in New Mexico and I was playing music, I was really the only like girl acoustic guitar player who was writing songs in my area. And, it, I, I've always had a past of loving to stand out and and be unique. And that made me stand out and be unique and it was encouraging and I loved it. Um, and it was fun for me. Um, and I'm glad I left. I'm definitely glad I left. If I had stayed, nothing would have happened for me. Um, but it was good to start my roots there because I could be confident in myself a little bit and in what I do, um because people liked it and if i had lived in houston trying to do that i would have seen so many other bands and artists trying to do it and i think i would have felt drowned out and overwhelmed and i would have i don't know if i would have given up but it would have i wouldn't have been as motivated um i think i would have been influenced by other people telling me how things are supposed to be and how i'm supposed to be an artist that i would have Listen to them and not just done what I wanted, which is what I did whenever I lived in New Mexico. Um, and I think that that was a good place to start, which, which is, you know, knowing what I want and knowing how I want it, how I want to get it and, you know, staying true to that. Um, because I think that that's the only reason that things have worked out so far is by me saying, no, I'm going to do what I think is best, not what other people tell me is best, you
1: know? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, I think that's, a, so that's
2: definitely
1: good. Yeah, no, I really like how you laid that out just because I I do think that uh, the notion of existing, you know, I- existing within some structure uh, of, a, of a scene, you know, is helpful because there are more options and more places to play and, you know, bands and whatever. But there is that sort of, you know, big fish, small pond scenario of like, oh yeah, like, there's less people doing this thing. So, you know, good or bad, like I'm just able to kind of put myself out there, um, you know, warts and all where people can, can, you know, look at it and be like, Oh, well that that's cool just because she's doing it, you know, (laughs) as as opposed to, yeah. Other people where it's like, Oh yeah, well there's these other seven people are doing a similar thing to you. So I only like these three and the other four kind of fall by the wayside or whatever. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so a lot of our, our last conversation kind of, you know, centered around the, uh, you know, idea you were, you were raised in, in the church and, you know, you have, uh, you know, a lot, you, you speak to a lot of that experience in, in a very similar fashion to, you know, the As Cities Burn song that highly influenced you and <laughs> sort of, uh, you know, mm-hmm. uh, sh- shaped, shaped who you were and how you wanted to, you know, express yourself, um, could you know talk a little bit about the um i guess kind of experience that you went on just uh, with your spiritual uh walk just because i, I do think that was uh, incredibly interesting your experience was definitely not just like, oh yeah, I go to church on Christmas and Easter, and that's kind of it,
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I grew up in uh i like i you know grew up in Houston before I moved to New Mexico until I was ten um and my mom had just become a believer, maybe like five, five years before I was born or five years into when I was born. And so we were, we were going to church all the time, like three or four times a week. Um, that was my life. That was my identity. That's all I knew. Um, this church that I had gone to was my family at the time. That was, that was the people that I hung around with the most and I knew the most. And, um, so I was, raised to believe the certain set of denominational beliefs that this church believed, even though they, they call themselves non-denominational, every, every church, whether or not they say that they are, they are some kind of faction or denomination of Christianity. Um, you can't help it. And I understand that, but, um, so I kind of, I don't know if people instilled this into me more than I instilled it into myself, but I grew up believing that if I did all the right things the right ways, then I would be glorified and good and loved by God. And if I did things the wrong way, then I would be punished or looked down on or made to feel guilty or shameful. Um, So I lived that way. I lived trying so hard to do things the right way and then making mistakes, feeling terrible about myself. Um, and then having to like reconcile with God every single time that I did something wrong. Um, so when I was in high school I was kind of an asshole. Like I thought I was better than everyone else. Um I expected everybody to meet my standards if they said that they were a Christian. Um, and it didn't, obviously, because my standards were supposedly perfect. And so I would be disappointed in people a lot and I would look down on them and um, I alienated myself in high school. Honestly, I think that sometimes I think like, I wish I had had more friends and I, I made myself believe that I was uh, bullied or uh, like seen as bad by other kids, but I made myself that way. It was like self-fulfilling prophecy. If you expect you know, somebody to think that you're not cool, then you're going to act like you're not cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was, I was huge asshole. Um, you know, I didn't party and I didn't have sex before marriage and I didn't um, cuss and I went to church. And so I thought I was cool and good. Um, but the older that I got, and especially out of, after getting out of high school, um, the more mistakes I made and the more it humbled me. Um, especially when I was 18, I kind of did every single thing that I told myself I would never do. And that was a really humbling time because I was like, well, wait, I'm, I'm, ai am a human being like, and you know, I still feel like I want love and I deserve love. I don't think that me doing all of these things makes me any, any less I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't make me like less worthy of love or, you know, a chance to change or to try again. Um, and it kind of opened my eyes towards people that I had judged previously and understanding that people are just people and they make mistakes and that does not like, I that doesn't identify them. It's not, it's not them. Um, Everything comes from a place of hurt, really. So anyways, um, that was like, it was like a slow change over a few years. of, And I had moved around after leaving college and moved to Nashville um, and moved to Columbus. And, um, you know, being in different cultures definitely changed my perspective and seeing different people's lives and seeing different people's hurts changed my perspective instead of being in this bubble of seeing the same thing all the time. And I started learning how much I was hurt and, um, controlled by that church that I had gone to, um, that I was supposed to supposedly, you know, be perfect and, and not show that I was struggling at all. Um, or I'd be like given some kind of church punishment, um, or, or discipline and told that, you know, unless you do this right, then you can't come back. And The more, the older I got, the more whack I started to think it was. And I was slowly asking myself questions over the years about things that, you know, confused me about religion, about Christianity. Um, Obviously all of the stuff politically that's been going on has helped me to see how certain Christians view other people. And I thought that that wasn't cool at all. Um, That was really frustrating. And You know, I'm sitting here thinking like all of these Christians are saying that they're right. And this is an idea that I used to believe as well, but what if I'm not right? Like, who am I to think that just because I've been raised to believe this thing, it means it's right. There are so, there are billions of people in the world and everybody has their own beliefs. Like what are the, the chances that I'm right out of all of these billions of people, um, and I think that started me on a path of questioning and self-doubt and um, doubt in the religion more more so than anything else. And um, I think the the peak of that doubt was when I was in, uh, on tour with Tradewind um, in July of 2016. And that was when uh, I was with Tom and Jesse. And you know them. They're very strongly against religion and very very vocally against it and so they would be asking me questions and challenging me and you know making me look at myself and it was really wearing me down like that tour was probably the best tour I've ever been on but also like mentally really wore me down because I was starting to think like what if I'm wrong about everything and God's just not real I don't know what I'm going to do like because this has been my identity my whole life and all of a sudden it's and one two week tour it's being stripped down and burned away and I don't know what to do with myself I don't know who I am outside of it um but it last. it was a very short time that that I guess lasted that time of doubt um and I we were driving to California from Arizona and I've told the story multiple times but it's my favorite um I mean, the drive from Arizona to California is gorgeous and it was even more gorgeous because we were driving as the sun was rising and all those hills. It's just magical. Um, and we were driving and I was looking at everything and we were probably listening to something sad, like bloody bear or something, um, just totally helped the the mood, but I was feeling really down on myself and feeling really shitty. And I was looking at it, everything. And I thought about this book that I've been reading that I had been reading at the time where the author talks about atoms and how what they what the components of atoms are made out of and how um, quarks and leptons which are made out of atoms made, made make up atoms um, are made up of something that they call push and pull. it's not even matter. And so somehow something that doesn't have matter makes matter and then everything exists. and everything is alive and moving around. you just can't see it. And I was thinking about that when I was, when we were driving, I was looking at everything and thinking and feeling about how alive it all is. And I just had some spiritual experience where it was an overwhelming sort of joy. And in my head, I thought to myself, you know, all the things that I had believed previously might fundamentally, you know, about who God is might've been wrong. And I might not know my whole life, you know, the answers to all of my questions, but I know that, that God is real. There is a God because of this experience that I just had and remembering all of the experiences that I had had previously in my life that had shown me that God was around um, and that he was present and that he cared. And it was such a freeing thing because all of a sudden, like my religion it's like, um, my friend explained this to me and it was really cool. Um, he talks about how you, your religion or your life of religion is like this house that everyone has built up for you your whole life. And then there comes a point in your life where you have to burn it down and whatever is left over that stayed through the fire is what you keep and take with you when you build up your own house for yourself. And that was like the moment of everything being completely burnt down. And I had this one glimmer of like a spark and it was God and it was who God really was to me. And suddenly I'm not being held down by these expectations or by these rules on how things are supposed to be. I just believe that this God is good and that he loves me and wants me to love his people. Um, And it was so much easier to do that after there was no more judgment left in me to just care for people. And I think that's, I find it really interesting because, you know, um, a lot of Christians, it's, it's really taboo to have doubts. It's really taboo to say, I don't know this. Or, you know, if you were to say something like, I don't believe that God created the world in seven days, you'd start a whole thread of arguments with a lot of different Christians. And, it's crazy that as soon as you admit to yourself and to other people, I don't know. And that's okay. Um, it leaves you room to be compassionate and it left me a lot of room to be compassionate. And so that's kind of where my faith is now is I believe this and I believe it more than I ever have in my entire life. But, suddenly I don't have these judgments and I'm not going to push it on anyone, but I am going to tell them, you know, this is what happened to me. And this is my story. And this is, you know, why I write these songs in this record. Um, because it was so pivotal for my change in my life and in finding health for myself. Um,
1: no, it's really, yeah, I, so that's, uh, yeah, no, it's, I, I really like that because I mean, it's a, um, there's, there's never, you know, I mean, even though all our lives are linear from a time perspective, there's never, um, you know, an easy uh, buttoned up (laughs) story for people when they're, they're going through all of those, those moments. But, um, Mm -hmm. but like you said, everybody has to go through those moments of, you know, reconciliation um, on what it is they actually believe. And I, you know, I, I appreciate your. You laying out the the path that you know you took to where you're at now, and you know, arguably where you know you're going to be at a different place in the next, you know, five years or ten years or whatever. Um, you know, it'll hopefully resemble what it is that you're into right now, but you know, no one can tell. But I think that
0: mm-hmm.
1: so many people <laughs> struggle with that idea because um, you know there 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 are no answers. <laughs> Every everybody has no yeah. idea. Everybody has no idea what they're doing. Um, they take their best guests and they take a you know tentative foot forward but um i think that like you said coming at it from a place of of love rather than judgment is um you know originally how it uh, how all kind of came about in the first place you know (laughs) it's not Mm -hmm.
2: not 100 yeah
1: yeah no that's that that's really cool and it's cool too because you know i think it it comes through in the the music that uh you know you create as well um where you know it clearly it's it's coming from a you know a, a fragile and vulnerable place and i think in turn uh you know the more people that uh, you know look into who you are as a person um can't help but you know draw those connective tissue lines into the fact that it's like, oh yeah, like maybe sh- this is something I should consider. Like n- not, not saying that you're convincing people to, 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 to think, to, you know, think one way or the other, but just to at least consider that component of their life, you know?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's all I, you know, that's all I could ask is that not that people, you know, adhere to whatever I believe or to tell me I'm right, but to just, you know, think and to be self-aware and to, to consider, you know, what is it, what in their lives that they should be looking at and, and questioning and changing. Um, I used to want to be like a like a missionary type musician where I, you know, was spreading the gospel of Jesus to the people and um, obviously I still I still like hold that root in me, but it's less evangelical. It's less like in people's face, you know, this is right and you're wrong. It's more of a Hey, you know, like if you've been questioning this, I have also been questioning it and it's okay to question. It's okay to say, I don't know. And you know, everything is done in your own time and your own process. And I think that's the only thing that people need to hear is like, it's okay to be where you're at and you don't have to be at any certain place in your life. As long as you're trying, you're trying to figure it out.
1: Totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and so, you know, as you were kind of, um, you know, putting together, uh, what you were going to do, you know, musically and experimenting in, in, you know, different areas and what have you, you know, once you started to, uh, you know, play out and to, you know, play shows under the moniker, many rooms, um, did, did you have to struggle whether or not you wanted to like call yourself by your name or like have a, have a quote unquote band name? Or was that easy, like, Oh, I, I don't want to call it myself. <laughs>
2: Yeah, no, I've never wanted it to be my name because I just I don't think my name sounds cool enough. To, like, <laughs> I don't know. I think I think I wanted to like be separate from a singer-songwriter. Like I didn't want somebody to just assume, oh, this is a singer-songwriter because it kind of like it can kind of cage you in um and not allow you to experiment and I want to be able to make whatever kind of music I want to make. Um and even though like I could be called Brianna Hunt and still make whatever the hell I want to make. It's just, it's easier to just have this moniker and I've always had some kind of name and they've always been stupid up until this point. So I'm really glad I have it. I I definitely have no qualms or regrets about
3: it. (laughs) Got it. Got it. Um,
1: do you, uh, so yeah, as you started to march forward with the, uh, the many rooms moniker and, you know, you were, you were playing shows and starting to, you know, have people kind of identify with, uh, what it is that you are doing and, you know, you were playing, you know, whatever show you could get on, whether it was a, you know, a coffee shop or, or a punk and hardcore show. Um, you know, some, when I was, you know, prepping for our, our, our conversation, you know, i I've, I've, there are some really cool videos, you know, on YouTube of you playing at, you know, whatever shows and, and stuff that is clearly, you know, you are the odd person out from a Sonic perspective, but, you know, people are just <clears throat> kind of losing their minds. Um You know, I, I guess, when did you kind of, um I guess, notice that people were, were identifying with what it was that you were doing, not even on like a wide commercial level, but just like, oh, wow, like, I guess I can, you know, not hold my own, <clears throat> but just, like, play these shows and, and feel comfortable with it and see, like, oh, wow, people are, are, are liking this.
2: Yeah. Um, I guess the one, like, small moment was when I was in high school, and I it was, like, the first, like, good, interesting song that I had written, um, even though I had been writing songs on and off and not sharing them, you know, for years. Um, I wrote this stupid song about zombies and about like two people being in love while there's a zombie attack or something. And it was super corny and super like, you know, emo scene girl thing to do. But, um, I performed it at my talent show and I almost won, but I had a lot of kids from my school tell me that they loved it and that they thought it was so cool that I wrote music and that was kind of like the moment where I was like, Oh, maybe, maybe I'm good at this. You know? Um, after that, I think when I saw it more on a like scale, where I thought I could really do this, you know, not just do it for fun, but, um, even though I've always, since I had decided I wanted to to play music, um, and that's what I wanted to do. It's always been like, there are no other options. This is what I have to do. Um, but when I, when I started seeing that maybe it might actually work out was when I had already had the EP, um, under a different moniker and it wasn't released through other people. Um, I, I had self-released it and I had moved to Nashville. Um, and I had started, you know, playing house shows here and there. Um, and people actually, you know, responded well to it. And that's, and that's kind of when I, oh, and also I played, uh, audio feed. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of that, but it's a fest that happens in Champaign, Illinois every year. Um, it was my first year at audio feed that year and I had never heard of it before. It's like a, it's like a, uh, a smaller it's new, like a... new cornerstone. Exactly.
1: Cornerstone junior. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And, um, I went and I played like an impromptu set and a lot of people watched and, um, a lot of people talked about it afterwards and I got asked to play more shows and I got asked to do tours after that. And so that was when I was like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Sure. This is working.
1: (laughs) Yeah. This is whatever, whatever this may mean. It's like, I and I guess the, you know, the next steps that you've kind of taken, you know, probably the space that you live in now where um you know you kind of build your life around the music you know because like i mean you 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 know you live with your parents and i presume like you know you uh your work when you're home in order to you know save enough money for the next tour and stuff like that um i I presume that's just basically what you were like well yeah now i'm just gonna do this and you know i'll I'll have a job that will allow me to you know bounce when i need to leave for tour and stuff like that i presume that that's kind of the decision you made at that point yeah
2: yeah, that was definitely. Um, I'm probably I'm moving to back to Columbus in June now, because um, that's you know where I'd always felt the most comfortable, and that's where I think my home is. Um, I kind of came home to be with my parents, sort of to decompress and figure out my life and kind of chill, because I had been moving around so much beforehand that it was driving me crazy, and I didn't know what I wanted, and I was kind of manic. Um, and so I also didn't have any money ever. And I thought, you know, I need to, I need to give myself some stability so that I can save up money and take care of the things I need to take care of and get my life together. Um, and so I've been doing that for the past like six months or so. Um, but the, the whole plan was to eventually be able to make enough money to support myself to where I could move back to Columbus and, live a life as an adult and also be able to pursue music but for sure when i go back to columbus i'm going to find a job and you know in between tours work so that i can keep touring um <clears throat> but it's getting more and more to the place where um i tour a lot i've been touring a lot like the past in february march february march and april i was on tour um i hope you can't hear that that would suck um and hold on one second. No problem. I totally forgot where I was at. Um, yeah. Saying that
1: I Yeah, you'd been Yeah, to, I totally lost my no, train of
2: thought. I was
1: just saying, you, yeah, you had been to, <laughs> well, that you were touring so much probably that, you know, it's leading up to where you know, you wouldn't have
2: oh, to. Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, I was on tour in February and March and um, That is the biggest tour I'd ever been on with Neil Hilborn. And um, I made way more money than I ever thought I could possibly make. I looked at my bank account and was like, how is that possible? I've never had this much money in my life. Um, So I'm thinking, I'm hoping, this is my goal, is by next year I can just, you know, make enough money while I'm on tour to be able to make that my life, you know, and to be able to support me and that be my job. And it's getting closer to that. And I'm really excited because that's always been the dream.
1: Sure. Sure. Um, and I'm going to guess that, you know, do you, do you enjoy touring or you enjoy elements of touring or you kind of enjoy the whole experience, you know, behind it all?
2: Um, definitely love touring more than anything I've ever loved. I think, (laughs) um, to a point where two years ago it was unhealthy for me because I would, try so hard to tour that whenever I would be home, I wouldn't do anything and I would kind of just be numb and waiting for the next tour to happen because that's how happy it made me. It was kind of too much of a good thing sort of thing. And now I'm in this place where I'm trying to balance it out where I tour and also have my life at home so I can be a person in both atmospheres and be myself in both atmospheres. But no, definitely touring gives me this feeling of purpose that I've never really felt anywhere else other than, you know, like hardcore and DIY and shows and that community of people. But it's me doubling myself into that community and seeing different communities everywhere I go. And I love it so much.
1: Nice. <laughs> no, that's cool. Cause you, yeah, you know, I know people kind of ebb and flow with their own experiences of tour and some people are like, Oh yeah. it's like, you know, 16 hours of, of doing nothing and 30 minutes of, Playing a show and then the rest of it's got to fill in time, but um, yeah, yeah. But, but the, I think ultimately, what you know, most people echo of the the touring experience is like, yes, the shows are cool and interacting with people, but it's like you know those those relationships you make in those random towns with people you either you know stay over at their house or whatever. It's like those are the ones where it's just like, oh wow, like you know, I've known these people for fifteen years and they're still in my life because I randomly met them at this one show or whatever. You know.
2: Yes, that that's the shit I look for. I love it. Um, I feel like I've always believed, I guess that I was built for it. Um, because I love moving. I've moved like 10 times in the past three, four years. Um, I've always been kind of a spontaneous, like chaotic kind of person where I have to have change always. And tour is a constant change and I adapt to it very well. And, um, yeah, it's just, it's everything that I love. It's being around people that I've met through music, um, getting to see them constantly, getting to build these friendships based on something that you both enjoy and love. And I don't know, it's it's for me. I know that not a lot of people love touring. And I used to never, like, I used to not get it at all. I was like, how could you not love doing this? But the older I get, the more I, I, the future of me settling down and, you know, getting married and have, having kids one day. And I understand why people, you know, would slowly kind of not enjoy it anymore just because they're away from their families and they're away from their stability. And I get it. I'm, I'm especially getting it now more than ever. Um, not being on tour is fine for me. I enjoy being at home just as much now, but I still have that that passion and that joy that I get from touring. I don't think, I hoping, I'm hoping that it never goes away. Um, because it was, you know, the motivation that I had for playing shows and and making music was I want to tour and I want to play shows and I want to meet people and, and have a community with people.
1: Sure. Right. That's, that's really cool. Um, last two things I want to hit on before I let you go was the, um, you know, the, uh, kind of the intersection of, um, what you're talking about with the, um, you know, kind of what we were talking about earlier in regards to, you know, your expression of the fact that, you know, you have a faith and you have a backbone that, um, you know, is, is derived from all these experiences. And, you know, I'm sure like you were mentioning at the very beginning of the conversation where people, you know, would automatically put you in the same category as, you know, Julian Baker and, you know, daughter and all of these, um, you know, quieter female fronted acts, um, you know, but, but it is interesting that, uh, all, you know, almost universally are, uh, you know, all, all three yourself and Julian and daughter and like all of these uh, bands are, are talking about their intersection of life and faith. And I, I just find it so interesting mm-hmm. because like, I don't know. It just seems it, it, one would point to it being like a trend, but it's like, well, it's not a trend. It just ha- happens to be that like all these people are arriving at this thing at the same time, which, you know, to me is always interesting. Um, and I, I presume that's something you've noticed as well.
2: Mm. Yeah. I remember us talking about this. Um, absolutely. I think that it's less of a trend and more of a thing that people attach themselves to easily. Um, because, the the one common thing that I think I do respect about people comparing us, you know, Julian Baker and uh, I can't there's like there's someone else who who kind of does that too. I can't remember who I I heard it compared in like an article one time. But just other artists who are talking about things like faith and things like life experiences, and I think the it's honest because it's transparent um, because it's vulnerable and. There is a need, a insatiated need for, for vulnerability, especially in the music community, um, because you get a lot of artists who I don't know what their intentions are, but it feels like their intentions are to just make it and to be rock stars and to write popular songs. And they usually feel a little more shallow and it feels disconnected. And I think people are just craving something that they can connect with. Um, Because that's, you know, the thing that that music, that's when music can really affect you is whenever you feel connected to the story or um, you feel comforted by hearing something, you know, said in that song that you had never heard before. And I mean, I personally, from experience, have attached myself, myself to artists who speak like that. Um, Like I said, Acidies Burn and um, this band All Get Out talks about that too. And, um, they're my favorite bands. Like I constantly listen to them. Copeland is one of those two, um, because they are being vulnerable. And, um, that's always been something that I've wanted to do. And I remember before I went to the studio, I was kind of freaking out because all of my songs didn't feel like they came together very well. And I had, I had a few extra songs that I had to write and I didn't know if I had it in me <laughs> to write the songs and I felt a lot of pressure to satisfy people, you know, with the EP to, you know, do something better, um, but to also stay true to myself. And I was kind of panicking and I messaged Julian and was like, Hey, do you experience this? Like, do you feel this sort of pressure to like, you know, meet the standards that your fans have for you? Um, and like, Does that make it harder for you to write? And she had the best advice that I took with me to the studio, and it helped me make that record what it was. Um, But she told me, you know, I do feel that way, but I do believe that as long as you are honest with yourself and are making honest music that means something to you, it's going to mean something to other people. And I've taken that with me. And I use that every time I write a song now is what do I want to hear? What do I want to say that is important to me and that is honest to myself? And it usually works out. And I think that that's, you know, that's what Julian is doing is she's being honest. And I think that's what daughter does is they're being honest and Copeland, they're being honest. And that really generates a love for people like that because it's honesty. And there's not a lot of that in the world. <laughs> and yeah. There's not a
1: lot of that in music. Yeah, No, no, for sure. For sure. I like that. Um, and the, the last thing that I want to hit on was, uh, uh something I find, um, you know, it, it's, it's a, an unintended consequence of of putting your art out, out in the world. But, you know, anytime a person is talking about their own, um, you know, uh, emotional struggles and, you know, trials and tribulations of their own life and, you know, they're in a band and they, they express it to the world and then, you know, the people that go to the shows, give feedback and they, it's this really, you know, intense relationship that is created. Um, and I know that, you know, you, you, you know, probably lie somewhere in between the, you know, uh, the introvert and extrovert where it's like, you can, you know, kind of adapt to both situations. But when people are coming at you with pretty intense experiences of them listening to your music and being, you know, affected in really deep ways and then echoing it back to you, um, you know, how do you kind of navigate that sort of, uh, outpouring of emotion? You know, I mean, with the underpinning of like, mm. it's it's awesome that people, you know, express that, like, that's clearly an incredible thing. Um, but mm. you know, but, but uh, on the flip side, it also is, um, you know, like it, it is tasking in certain respects of just like, Oh, okay. I like, I was, I, I kind of came here to like play a show and yes, experience cool stuff with <laughs> you, but like, you know, I wasn't anticipating this thing happening or whatever, which, you know, like I said, unintended consequence, but you know, how, how have you been, mm-hmm. able, how have you tried to like navigate that? Cause it's a, it's a tough, tough scenario.
2: Yeah, it really is tough because, you know, you're in this setting where, um, you know, it usually happens at a merch table or something and there are other kids waiting to talk or something and you want to, I want to be, you know, as in- attentive to them as possible and pay attention and show my appreciation because All I can think about is how I used to do that. I used to, you know, go watch a band play and it meant something to me and I felt compelled to tell them, you know, this means so much to me and this is why. And they've always been gracious and thankful and, you know, because I was vulnerable and all I wanted was for them to receive it. And so I try to think about that coming into when other kids are telling me the same thing, which is wild to me. Um, it's wild to me that that happens because I never thought that that would be happening, but it does. And it's a strange place, (laughs) but I, I try my best, um, which I don't think I always do it well. And it bums me out. And especially um, playing bigger shows um, to more crowds, it happens more often. And I feel like I have less of a chance to have a longer conversation with people and, um, to actually talk about, you know, what they're experiencing. But um, I I want to do my best constantly um, to show people that I think that their feelings and, and their experiences are important and um, to listen to them and hear them and tell them I appreciate them in the best way that I can. Um, even, you know, even if it might be inconveniencing or, you know, a little weird because they're strangers and I don't know them. I think that it's why I wrote, started, I mean, it's why why I write music. So it's something that I have to um, do. It's something that I have, that I feel obligated and responsible to um, cater to is to allow these people to feel like they can talk to me and have a discussion about something that they feel is important to them. Um, I want to make people feel important for sure. And so that trumps any kind of, Uncom- uh, anxiety that I have with, you know, talking to strangers or being uncomfortable in a setting that, you know, you don't really have those kinds of conversations. I think it's worth, you know, putting that aside to listen, um, because it's going to make it's going it's what's going to help them to walk away feeling like they had a great experience at this show, because that's, you know, the only, that's the times that I walked away thinking that was a great show, like this person listened to me. And they made me feel
1: important. So, yeah, no, that, a, that's a really I, I like I, I like how you put that, because I think it is um it, it, it's not technically something that you, you know, you signed up for, but it's that feeling of like you want to have a genuine, genuine interaction with that person. And you want, like you said, that, you know, that person to feel heard and, you know, um, have them have them get what they want out of that interaction. And I don't mean that in like a, all right, get what they want move them along. But like, you know, have, yeah. that, have that connectivity, um, while still being able to kind of, you know, reserve a little bit of energy for yourself to be like, well, yeah, you know, I I've got an eight hour drive. Like I can't sit here and talk to you for seven hours because of the, you know, this, this circumstance that mm-hmm. we are in. But I, I really like how you view, you view that through that prism. Yeah, dude.
2: Um, I I thought I was going to say something else, but I totally just forgot. But
1: yeah, that's my fault. (laughs) I I interrupted you. No worries.
2: No, no, no (laughs) worries. Yeah. It's, it's it's the most important aspect I think. And, um, I don't ever want to be an artist who feels, who people feel like is disconnected from them. Um, I always Mm want to be available and the, you know, being uncomfortable is worth it. Um, And that's that's kind of the mo for life in general is putting yourself out of your comfort zone usually benefits both parties normally. Yeah, that's what I try to live by, I guess.
1: Yeah, that's no, that's true because yeah, if you are, I guess if you can recognize that you know you yourself are uncomfortable, but then also it's you know a person is risking a part of themselves by you know exposing themselves to you, Um, and then you know that's an element of risk as well. So it's like if you both are in that you know. (laughs) <laughs> that weird vulnerable state and yeah. it's like, Oh, okay. Like, we're, yeah, we're coming out from different angles, but it's still, yeah, we're still in the same vicinity.
2: One mm-hmm.
1: 100%. <laughs> That's awesome. Well, I, uh, I think we've, I think we've done it. This was fun again. I'm sure we could probably like record another hour and we'd probably <laughs> go to other different places, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I appreciate you. Yeah, wanting I, to do, I appreciate you wanting to do this again. And thanks for uh, hooking this up.
2: Absolutely. Thanks for having me.
3: yeah
1: yeah yeah that was awesome thank you very much brianna for hanging out or brianna brianna you know i i just didn't even say her name and that's sad but uh many rooms that is what you need to pay attention to and uh it was a great chat hopefully you uh found found some enjoyable tidbits in there right because that's why you come to this uh this show to get those enjoyable tidbits right <laughs> I'd like to obviously give a shout out to the beautiful people at WeTransfer for supporting the show. Go to wetransfer.com. They make your life so much easier when you're getting huge files, you know, say you got like some some guitar tracks you need to send over to your bandmate. Do it via WeTransfer. They support art, they support podcasters, they support musicians. It's the best. wetransfer.com. And what do I got for you next week? Um, actually, you know what? I'm going to keep it secret. I know I normally tease the next week's guest, but, uh, this, this week I'm, I'm keeping it secret cause it's going to be one of two things. That's kind of the reason why I'm sort of hedging my bets, so to speak. <laughs> I don't know. I, wanna, I don't want to reveal something until it comes, uh, comes to fruition. So that's what we got. But I even have just unbelievable guests in June. So much great conversation I've recorded already from people I'm, uh, yeah, becoming friends with and it's, it's great. I like it. That's why this podcast is so much fun. Anyways, that's all, and uh, please be safe, everybody, right? Be safe. Have a safe Memorial Day weekend. Don't do anything too crazy, and just uh, maybe relax a little bit, right? Take, take it easy. All right. I'll talk to you later.
0: You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.